Welcome to Yarns at Yin Hu, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode 286, put on your big girl shoes and buy enough yarn. Sunday, October 10th, 2021. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. Each time I record a podcast, I put show notes, photographs, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyinhu.com. Today's episode features some gearing up for Rhinebeck with Mary Jean Packer and Carol Foster. I have interviews with each of them. And I'll also be telling you a little bit about my own progress on my Rhinebeck sweater. And I'm reviving hashtag Power Pantry and getting that off the ground by talking a little bit about treating your fridge and your freezer as elements of your pantry. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I hope you are well. October in the Delaware Water Gap area continues to be quite mild. I got to the studio around 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, this morning, and it's t-shirt weather outside. It's a little humid. The skies have been overcast and kind of keeping the heat in. There's not a ton of difference between temperatures in the day and the night. So it's been great weather to work outside. I think has not been optimal for beautiful changes in the leaves, which seem to just be turning brown and falling off. There's a little bit of color in our woods, some yellow. And Samuel and I are seeing a lot of the outdoors as we are working on a very extensive outdoor landscape and gardening project um, that will increase the amount of plants and and garden we have uh, about fivefold, I would say. Uh, We've targeted one very large area of our property right next to the house which was almost impassable because of invasive species and just overgrowth and lack of management. And we have worked a lot on it ourselves, but also we have employed different teams of people over the course of the summer and early fall to help us with removal of invasive species and some different planting that can happen in the fall. And Samuel has also carved out some beautiful beds for an herb bed, a dye garden, and then something more for perennials, pollinators, maybe a few vegetables. Um, And we were working intensively on that. Uh, yesterday and over the past few weeks. Other good news uh, in the start of school is that 
on the October 1st Club and Activities Fair in my building, nearly 30 students signed up as having interest in String Theory, our knit and crochet club, which is overwhelming. And already the size of our after school meeting has doubled from six students who showed up before the club fair to 12 who showed up this past week after the club fair. There was no consensus about what day of the week would work best for a meeting, so I'm just going to keep moving it around to accommodate everyone who wants to come at some point. And in this week's session, we had knitters, crocheters, a cross-stitcher, someone doing embroidery, and quite a few kids showed up with no current skills, picked up yarn and hooks, thanks to the generous donations of some listeners to the podcast. So I'm really appreciative to have those things on hand. They picked up some supplies and other students in the club were teaching them. I'm really looking forward to uh, growing this club and helping the students gain these skills that I think might be so useful based on all the stress and anxiety that they're dealing with. As for my own knitting, I have been making some progress, <laughs> quite a bit of progress recently, on Goldwing, which is my Rhinebeck sweater. It, the design is by Jennifer Steingass, and I'm knitting with uh, mill seconds from Battenkill Fiber Mill, beautifully dyed in a clay pink and a kind of scummy green color. I love the way these two colors play together, and I'm really enjoying knitting this design by Jennifer Steingass. I think I mentioned last time one of, well, two of the things I really admire are the way she shapes her necklines so that they stay up on the shoulders and don't stretch out, aren't too big. And I also admire in the motif both the color work yoke motif and then again at the base of the sleeve um, along the wrist the color dominance shifts partway through the motif so that you start using one color as your main and the other as your contrast and then switch. And that creates a very pleasing aesthetic effect on the color work. The shape of the sweater is pretty traditional. It's a color work yoke. It's knit from the neck down, you put stitches on, holders for the sleeves, finish the body. I finished the body of mine with about two and a half inches of one by one rib and a sewn tubular bind off. I did some shaping uh, along the torso of this sweater just to pull it in a little bit with some decreases on each side of a faux seam, a single purl stitch running down the inside. The challenge with this sweater is that 
I did not buy enough yarn. I've been trying to think about why that is. And the only thing I can come up with is I am used to knitting sweaters in fingering weight yarn. And this sweater is knit in worsted weight yarn. So three skeins of the main color and two of the contrasting color seemed enough to me for knitting any sweater for myself. And I did not have this particular gold wing in mind when I bought the yarn. The fact that I would need more than three skeins of the main color. Sleeves take up a lot of yarn and I have quite long arms. <laughs> I knew as I was knitting the body of this sweater that I wasn't going to have enough yarn. I ordered another skein from Battenkill Fiber Mill, thinking because it was Millen's yarn that there was only one dye lot. You know where this is going. <laughs> the yarn came and I was so relieved to get it. I threw it in my knitting basket and kept knitting. I was knitting and finishing up the ribbing of the torso and I started my sewn bind off. And as I was meditatively working through my sewn bind off, it occurred to me to check. Now, at least a week had passed to check the colors. I was sitting outside and I pulled the new skein out of its package and held it up to my sweater and no way did they match. The sweater color is like a clay pink. It's a little more orange leaning and the one I had in my hand was more of a, a petal pink, a true pink. No, 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 no. So there were many weeks went by when I kind of did nothing. MJ did not have any more of this color. Mary Beth stepped in and saved the day by sending me her leftovers and part of a hat <laughs> that she ripped out. I guess she ripped off the other color that was on this hat. I don't know. She sent me a knitted hat that she had started unraveling. And it was a perfect color match, which was so relieving. And I weighed everything. So I had just been stalling on this project, basically doing nothing. I stopped the sewn bind off because I thought, if I need to harvest yarn from this sweater and make it a cropped sweater, then I'm going to have to unpick this sewn bind off. So I'm not going to finish it. I'm just going to leave it where it is. And then I didn't knit on the sleeves. Even though I still had this yarn, I didn't want to knit on them because I didn't know what I need to alternate skeins. How long could the sleeves actually be? I didn't know. So I did nothing. It was about three weeks of doing nothing on this sweater. And when finally Mary Beth's yarn came and I weighed everything, I had just under 100 grams of yarn in pink. So I divided it into two balls and I started to knit the sleeves. I knit, 
as fast as I possibly could, like a race against yardage, which I had a fixed amount of yardage. So that doesn't really work, but psychologically it seems like you're making something happen. So I knit the sleeves to about 10 or 11 inches of the plain pink before starting the color work chart at the wrist. The pattern says 12 and three quarter inches of plain knitting, but I just wanted to move that motif up slightly so that I didn't run out of the clay pink yarn. And I figure I can just add more green to the cuff and make the sleeves as long as I want them. I have plenty of green, of course. I have almost a whole skein of green yarn. Anyway, as it stands now, I have the motif of one cuff almost completely knit. And the other sleeve is ready for the motif to start. So I would say I have about 60 or so rounds of color work knitting. I'm using US4 double points at this point for knitting the sleeves. It seems I'm assured of success with this sweater. I think I can eke it out. Uh, and now it's a race against time because uh, it's been a very intense weekend of gardening outdoors without a lot of knitting. And I really don't want to leave the details of this sweater till the last minute. So I'm working on it every chance I get, even if it's a few rounds. I do not think I will be able to wet block this sweater. I'll just give it a really thorough steam block. And I have utilized some of my downtime to weave in ends and tidy things up. So there will be very little finishing work to do on this sweater. And it looks like the cuff is a rolled cuff that matches the rolled neckline on the yoke. And that's in the green color. And I think that's a really good way to resolve the different parts of this sweater. So even though I do love a one-by-one one rib on the cuff with the tubular bind off, that's incredibly time-consuming and I think this little rolled cuff is going to work perfectly. All I feel like knitting are these ridiculous little knitted acorns. <laughs> I I'm not sure where I heard about this. I feel like I heard about it on a podcast. Maybe Knitting and Your Brain podcast. I can't remember. But this is a Carolyn Hossman pattern. She is Natura Mama on Instagram. And this is a free pattern knit on in a very small gauge with very tiny bits of scrap yarn to create the nut portion of an acorn, which you can then glue into acorn caps that you collect on the forest floor or on your walk down the street. The oak in my yard is 
dropping one of the oaks in my yard is dropping acorns for the first time. And we believe this to mean it's 50 years old because the white oak does not begin to drop until it's 50 years old. And this oak has never dropped acorns before. So I have a wide assortment of little acorn caps to choose from. There are single, double, and even triple acorn caps. I haven't found a quadruple. I don't know if that's something that can happen. Uh, But I've been scouring the ground as we've been working on our project and collecting acorn caps that are in really good shape. And just wanting to knit up these teeny little acorns to glue inside the caps. I think it's fun to use really non-traditional colors, but the more muted natural or bits of naturally dyed yarn are also beautiful. So I've made a few sets of them and given them away as a, as a little gift. Um, and I hope to make some more and send them to some folks as fall gifts and people really need a pick-me-up or something amusing <laughs> to arrive in their mailbox. That's the um, Acorns Pattern by Carolyn Hossman, H-O-S-M-A-N-N. And that's available as a free pattern on Ravelry. I'm also working on the second of a pair of plain stockinette socks with a traditional heel flap, heel turn and gusset in, I think it's a rock collecting colorway from Knitspin Farm. This came to me by way of Emily of Fibertown Podcast. We have a practice of buying yarn from Joanna Knitspin Farm knitting a pair of socks and sending each other the leftovers. So these are Emily's leftovers that came to me. They're beautiful, equal width stripes in six colors. There's some grays, blue, green, orange, and a red. And I'm using some scraps of yarn for the cuffs and the heels of these socks, some coordinating colors. I think Emily sent me one and I had another one on hand. So these are in, the second sock is in the heel flap stage. So those are great knitting for on the go and listening during meetings. And finally, I have started a Lenny hat. This is a design by Isabel Kramer. And I'm knitting it in some yarn from Oysters and Pearls. Oysters and Pearls has been spun at Batten Kill Fiber Mill, and it's been newly acquired by the mill. And you'll hear me talk a little bit more about the different yarns when I talk with Mary Jean Packer. I'm holding two yarns together to create sort of a DK or worsted weight and to get the qualities of both of those yarns. And I think this will be a knitted hat for a holiday gift. Uh, But I really love the, the feel of these yarns, and I'm very eager to 
do a bit of shopping for some more Oysters and Pearls yarn when I visit that booth at Rhinebeck. All right, speaking of Mary Jean, Rhinebeck, and Battenkill, up next are my interviews with MJ and Carol. They have both been working tirelessly on processing yarns that will be seen at Rhinebeck and at surrounding festivals this fall. I asked MJ, you know, how many vendors do you spin for? And she said, well, at Rhinebeck, if you consider Rhinebeck and the surrounding festivals in the fall season, about 50 different vendors have their yarn or at least some of their yarn spun at Battenkill Fiber Mill. So the production that's going on at the mill is truly extraordinary. And MJ really has her finger on the pulse of what is exciting and what will be available at the festival. So I hope you enjoy our chat. All right. Well, welcome, Mary Jean. Thanks for chatting with me this morning. It's Rhinebeck coming up. We're all so excited. We haven't seen each other in two years. And we're talking because you have your finger on the pulse of Hudson Valley wool and textile production. So I'm curious, what are you excited about with Rhinebeck coming back after a year asleep? Oh, there's so many things to be excited about. Uh, it, the awakening Rhinebeck. Thing one, coming back together, seeing people we haven't seen in, it'll be two years. And people signing off their emails and phone calls now with see you at Rhinebeck is, is just, Fabulous. It it really is the coming together of an industry. Um, and there's there's no greater celebration, at least on the East Coast, of of our industry and the connections within it than this event coming up. So I try to explain it to my kids or my non-knitting friends. And it you can't you can't describe it unless you've experienced it. And so much of Rhinebeck is what you as the attendee make of it. If you're an anti-crowd, you can still use that space and time to reconnect in, in some way. Maybe they just want to go to the police show and just pour through. Take the time, treat yourself to a morning-long touching experience where you can go fleece by fleece and go back and say, now, what was the difference between this, this, and this? Nowhere else in Eastern United States will you be able to compare the best of a breed standard, 10 different bags of Coriadale from 10 different farms, and really dig in and say, well, gosh, this one's crimp is more, this one's longer, this one's oilier. Never, no other opportunity. And, and then there's people who say, I don't need any more yarn. Maybe I shouldn't go to Rhinebeck. I 
Well, there's a whole lot more at Rhinebeck than just yarn and back again to, to the people. It's worth going just to get, just to get ideas for what you want to knit next. Because as we all know, it is a knitting fashion show of the nth degree. And that's another question you hear this time of year a lot. In addition to see you at Rhinebeck, you hear, do you have your Rhinebeck sweater done? Then there are people like Carol Foster who have a Rhinebeck sweater for each day. Yes, each day. She's special like that. Yeah, I have a Rhinebeck sweater for one day and then I have a Rhinebeck cowl. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a sweater, only it just covers my neck and upper chest. So what have you been knitting? Will you tell us anything about your Rhinebeck sweater? Of course. Um, my Rhinebeck sweater is um, Wild Mountain Time by Baby Cocktails. And that's Thea Coleman at Thea Coleman. And it's knit in our new brand, Oysters and Pearls, Romney Merino, um, locally sourced and botanically dyed by our partner, Green Matters Dye Company. Um, as you may know, but our listeners may not, um, that we've been spinning for Oysters and Pearls since Am started the company in 2015. And she's just a fabulous young woman, so creative, so much energy, and really a leader in trying to find ways to commercialize botanically dyed yarns. And she's been at that since 2015. And always spun by us. That was one of her first commitments to really truly traceable is she want no yarn would she buy from us that we couldn't tell her where we got it from, what, what farms we bought the wool from. Mm -hmm. Now this spring, she's become increasingly busy. So in official terms, we had an asset sale. I bought the assets of oysters and pearls, which are significant. Um, um had done an absolutely fabulous job of building a, a delightful uh, social media following, um, e-news list, lovely website, all ready to go, turnkey e-commerce. And as she said, Oysters and Pearls was her first baby, and there's no one she really could entrust it with except for sending it to live at a grandma's. And here I am. Oysters and Pearls Grandma. You sent along in a recent package some samples of Oysters and Pearls, and I have decided to hold two of them together to make a Lenny hat by Isabel Kramer. So I'm using the mohair wool fingering and the BFL merino. They're both gorgeous and it's getting this kind of marled look because they're two different, very soft, muted colors. That's really nice. Wow. It's really nice. I think it's going to make a nice, warm, squishy hat. And this Lenny hat has a folded brim where the ribbing is on the underside and then it's stockinette on the outside. So it has a really polished look to it. 
Very so, nice. Yeah. And yes. you'll get the best of both worlds by the uh, mohair is pretty drapey. Um, and the the BFL is, has a little more softness. And it's blended with, I think it's half and half with Merino. It's half and half with Merino. Yeah. So you're going to get your squish there. And by well, the way, we have that in a lot of really nice botanical colors, um, quite a lot of indigo and several uh, muted tans and pinks. Um, but we have decided once we sell out of the BFL Merino that we're not going to continue to carry it. And the reason is the traceability and responsibility related to our sourcing of the BFL. Mm. BFL is just not that common in the U.S. And most people who are raising it know what they got. And they're raising it because they've already got a market. Or they don't already have a market. They will as soon as they get it processed. Um, and I am not interested in being a competitor to my customers. So my farmer customers... And that's a change when, when the line came back home to bat and kill fibers. It, it's a different perspective. Right. Am was amplifying and raising awareness of BFL by her decision to carry it and asking me to source it for her. But I became aware of just exactly how hard it was to, to source it and not wanting to be in any way conflicting with the farmers who were raising it. So well, you should enjoy that while it lasts. We have I a nice certainly will. For Rhinebeck, we've got probably a couple hundred skeins of it on hand. So it's not like um, it's going to run out before Sunday. Well, maybe by Sunday noon, but it will have enough to get through, through Rhinebeck, but then that'll be it. What's great, I think, about botanical dyes and botanically uh, dyed colors is uh, there's not so much anxiety about what's going to work together. And the other reason why, um, in particular, oysters and pearls colors will, will do that is that I use as a base an off-white. It's ah. either a pale oatmeal or a pale gray. And that is part of why they go together. That makes so much sense. Um, so one of the, the challenges, though, is if you want to dye lot, they are in batches of eight, which is plenty for a sweater. But sometimes people get five or six. And so that leaves two or three in that lot and two or three in the next lot. And they think when they're in my booth that, especially in the darker, like the dark indigo, they say, oh, great. There's still six skeins of indigo here. And I'm like, yeah, there are, but there are three and three. And they'll lay them out in the sun and they'll swear they don't see it. And next thing I know, I'm hearing that they've had to rip back and now they're, they're striping. And yeah. every few rows, which isn't the end of the world. Once you have a row counter set up or you just can see it, God forbid it's that bad. 
because um, what happens is you don't you can't actually see it in your sweater that plainly until you're really out in the bright light and then all of a sudden you see you have a dark band and a light band so this is all the more reason to shop early and yeah. buy all the yarn you need oh yes don't don't say oh i'll order another skein later don't <laughs> don't do it don't <laughs> don't do that I'm sorry. Um, That's all right. We're going to cut this part of our interview. Do do as I say, not as I do. (laughs) It's either that or you're going to have to tell a story and keep it in as a, as a word to the best experience that even us can do this. Well, Mary Beth has unraveled a hat and sent some of her scraps. So I'm going to see if I can eke it out. Oh, Good for her. She's such a good friend. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm amazing that you mentioned that because I too have a hat. If we got to it, we can unravel a second one. <laughs> Where can shoppers at Rhinebeck find you? Well, that's a good question. It's my understanding that Rhinebeck this year is going to be a little different. And in an aside, and we'll get to the answer. Where will they find me? The organizers of Rhinebeck, who through the Hudson Valley Textile Project, I've been fortunate enough to get to know. Um, people like Margie, who is the vendor coordinator, and Claire, who's the president of Dutchess County Sheep and Wool Growers. Um, I've gotten to know them through the Textile Project. And these are volunteers. These are people putting on a giant event with a small team of volunteers. And one one paid, minimally paid staff person, um, Nina. And it's just mind-boggling when I hear any knitter passing by my booth whining about any aspect of safety protocol, spacing, um, anything related to how the show is managed. If they haven't walked a mile in those shoes, they need to, to zip it. Um, and I'm, I'm getting so, I, I no, no complaints won't be tolerated in, in booth 27A, number 12. Uh, 27A number 12. So 27A is the name of a of a row of tents that have been erected between 26 and 27. It's like and an alley. It's like an alley and I I think it might have been classed at one time as small mill alley. Um, because oh. there are several other small mills in in the alley and it's best known as the alley of jenny the potter okay yeah because she's at one end and you're at the other yes i think i'm at the other but we've always been in 27a number 14 but this year we're in number 12 and i don't know if that's because someone has opted to not come and we're putting a, a few feet between us all and so we've pulled out 20 feet and divided it by five. 
to give everyone a four foot buffer. Okay. So I'm still at the end or they've, for whatever reason, bumped us off the end and added someone else. So we'll just have to see um, what, what happens. And what can shoppers get excited about at the Battenkill Fiber Mill booth? In addition to oysters and pearls, um, yes. we have a number of um, guest appearances and booth mates. And I, every year I kind of mix this up a little. And boy, I love the conversations that come from this and the, the friends. And it, that's just easily the highlight beyond what you can shop for is who follows who and arrives at our booth to, to see the person that they're, they're following. So I mentioned I have a Rhinebeck cowl. Um, that's also knit in oysters and pearls. And that's in their Coriadale Merino sport, which I intend to keep um, going forward because those are common breeds. They're, the Coriadale is a workhorse of a sheep in the Northeast lot of material on the market, um, not always with the market. And that's, that's the kind of thing I want to be highlighting, that how we can use what we have right here where we are and what we can do with it. Um, Jill Beach from Beach House Knits has designed a beautiful cowl in this yarn. It's called the Flourish Cowl. It's super cute. I've been posting my works in progress on Instagram and she will be in our booth um, on Saturday from two to four with lots of samples of other things she Jill has designed in oysters and pearls and also in in other yards so I'll be wearing my I'll probably be wearing my cowl both days I may be wearing my sweater both days too and they they like you said in the beginning they do go together, even though my cowl is gold and gray and my sweater is tan and orange, all that kind of comes together. Um, my sweater is a, has a yoke pattern, but I don't think it'll clash with the cowl. We'll have to see. Um, I'm, we'll see. So we'll by and check it out. Yeah, come and see. And I've never met Jill, and that's one of the fun things about having a booth at Rhinebeck, it gives you a, a, a place to meet up instead of me having to say, I'll meet you on a hill. I'll meet you on a bench. I'll meet you by the whatever. They all just come to the booth. So two to four on Saturday, we have Jill from Beach House Knits and throughout popping in and out while her bags lay there quietly on my table is Morgan from Knitting Nelly. Have you seen the shop Knitting Nelly? bags. Oh, look them up immediately. Each bag is hand-pieced patchwork from fabrics she's curated. What You'd love this part, Sarah. She um, finds bird prints, a lot of animal and bird, and cuts mm -hmm. out just the bird from a print, and then patchworks that in with, you know, red calico and blue chambray, and then sort of a tea stained look to the fabric that the bird might be on. And they're simple. It's just nine patch or bear paw, you know, not an elaborate pattern. 
And then they're a bunch of different sizes. So you can get that in a little sock, zipper bag or drawstring tall bag or big sweater size. And she is uh, lives in the Southern Anaranda. Um, and so I'm real excited. Also, I, I gave her a deadline of Tuesday, October 12th for the bags. And she's going to deliver them to the mill at the same time we have our Tuesday evening live from the mill. And so people who follow us live from the mill um, we'll be able to hear Morgan talk a little more about being <laughs> going from sewing a couple of little quilt squares to being a, a home-based entrepreneur. So Morgan will be so in that's great. I wanted to, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to plug your Instagram live from the mill. It's every Tuesday at 6 30 PM Eastern standard time. And so on the 12th, Morgan's going to make an appearance on the, on the Instagram live. Yes. She's going to be really live. Um, Sometimes like Dr. Lily came live, live. Tammy was there live, live. Um, But usually it's by a, they call in. So Mm -hmm. we had um, our customer, Karen at Do You Knit, where we announced our partnership to make a yarn for her her shop in New Jersey uh, in response to her customers wanting to support local as well, which was fabulous. And we've had a couple others like that who've called in Ash Lovett from Flora and Fauna. She's out in Oneida County. She called in to talk about the Central New York Fiber Festival and the yarns we made for her for that show. So we've had a nice mix of call in and pop in. Um, but thanks for mentioning our mm-hmm. IG live on Tuesdays at 6.30. Um, so back to who else is going to be in our booth. Um, I have a gal, speaking of the Central New York show, that uh, we've been working for for a few years, but I never saw what she was doing with our materials until I went out to Central New York. Her name is Madeline White, and her Instagram is at Vegetarian Viking. And what she does is she takes our carded material and wet felts it into sheets. And then she needle felts into that locks that she's acquired from Longwall breeds. So Border Lester, Lincoln Longwall, Cotswold, Gotland, beautiful long locks to make. And this is where vegetarian comes in to make what appear to be sheepskin items. She packs the locks in systematically and densely in such a way that it appears to have been the skin of a sheep, but they're washed locks. And then the part of the word Viking is that they are striking Viking princess style garments, knee length vest, held with a wide leather belt, neck items that come down onto your shoulders and up to your chin, which I'm sure hoping. The minute she sets up in my booth, I am buying that one. And my only regret is that I didn't buy it at Central New York, except for it was hot. And I, I tried it on. It looked fabulous. It was darker gray than my hair, almost black. So high contrast and just it felt so good because the bottom layer 
is actually softer than a sheepskin because it's not leather. The bottom layer is still more wool. So it must be warm and supple. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Think of that neck thing with a denim jacket or a leather jacket or even a puff coat, you know, this high tech stuffed, stuffable puffer with this beautiful, soft, organic item. I'm not sure I have the height. I know I, I know I have too much width to carry off a wide. I'll look like Betty Rubble in the um <laughs> the is that her name? The Betty was Wilma's sidekick, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm always the sidekick in these shows. Well, somebody told me the other day I reminded them of Rhoda and Mary Tyler Moore. Not bad though. Yeah, but when you think about it, over the years, all these shows that have sidekicks. The, the sidekick, the wise mouth sidekick, I definitely do identify. So that's <laughs> Madeline from Vegetarian. Madeline, Vegetarian Viking. Yes. And then a new indie dyer that we've just been spinning for in the last year. Uh, her name is Jenny O'Toole, and her um, Instagram is Forge and Sew Dye Works. So, so, S-O-W, Forge and Sew. And I think that's from the fact that she's foraging, although it's forge, not forage, foraging for plant materials and non-plant, like metals, found metal, waste metal, to dye yarns. And for the first time... um, she also sourced her own wool personally. We had been sourcing for her, but she went and introduced herself to the folks at the Stony Kill Foundation Farm. She's based in Poughkeepsie, Jenny is, and got some of their kind of meat breed, Dorset Tunis wool. Um, but it softens up very nicely. We spun it as loosely as we could. And I, I think we made that into a sport weight. So you can do a lot of accessories that aren't really going to touch you. Um, or like the stuff we like, the Fair Isle wrist warmer kind mm-hmm. of thing would be nice in that. Um, so she's going to be in our booth both mornings, 10 to noon, um, both mornings. And she's got a growing family also. So it's been a good business for her um, to start. And then, of course, wrapping up the, the visitors, um, herself, from Oysters and Pearls. Oh, wow. Coming. And she's going to be there from, um, on Sunday at noon. Okay. And um, I know we'll have a, a crowd come to, to wish, her, wish her well. And then the usual offerings will also be in our booth. Mm-hmm. We'll have fabric from Lily, but not Lily herself. She's not going to, to come, but she's sending blankets and fabric. So some pre-cut pieces, um, <clears throat> including um, that plum that several people wish they'd gotten and didn't. We still have a little left. So we'll have the plum and we'll have a couple other great colors. Um, Karen isn't coming either. And she is sending... Um, several hundred skeins of her own farm blends, uh, mainly her very soft CVM Ramadale 
in her Cormo. But also a little bit, uh, she has a little bit of Romney Marino left. And then my partners in crime, um, Kathy from Midnight Mercantile and um, Gail from Cornwell Yarn Shop. And Gail will be releasing a new, you know, her Romney Marino, she's always branded as Moodna, which is the name of a river in the Hudson Valley, a tributary. And now she's releasing Moodna Heather which we've found a proprietary method um, for making for her so that it is a dyed yarn, but also heathery at the same time. And she's knitting a sample in Hohe's um, striped cardigan. It's similar to the Douglas Cardi, but a little more tailored, a little more suited to, to people in their 60s. <laughs> um, it's Nice, it's a nice tailored look. So she'll have that sample. And Kathy, of course, has been busy. She's so creative with these pieces of felt. She does such clever things. Yeah, she's really got a designer's eye. It's a and great place to go for gifts. Yes, and that's at Midnight Mercantile is who Kathy is online. And and we're, she is also the longstanding secretary of the Hudson Valley Textile Project and just fabulous, steady resource to, to work with year-round and fabulous, steady resource to have in our booth as well. That's great. So there's the lineup. It's going to be quite a, quite a weekend in our, in our booth. That's Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all of that. So it seems like not only is it important to get there first and early, but also to keep cycling back to the Baton Kill Fiber Mills booth to see who's there and who's visiting. And we will have a little bit of all these things the whole time. But if okay. you want to meet Madeline and see her rocking this knee-length Viking vest. You you need to come when she's there Saturday 12 to 2 and Sunday 2 to 4. And um, just don't count on buying one of those vests on Sunday from 2 to 4 because I'm guessing they gone. won't make it through Saturday. Um, they're just that incredible. Mary Jean, do you have a Rhinebeck tip that you can offer our listeners? You have a lot of experience. Do you have any wisdom to pass along? Um, well, you know me. I'm always worried about my next meal. Uh, it would hurt to miss one or two, but I certainly don't recommend starting at Rhinebeck for missing a meal. You can spend a lot of time in food lines, and I recommend bringing something to snack on. And I, I love the food vendors, and I hate discouraging anyone from enjoying the food, but it, it seems a shame to be at a knitting function and spend more than an hour waiting in line, especially if it's for fair food. I mean, there is some wonderful lamb, and sometimes you can, depending on time of day, grab something pretty quick at the 4-H booth, which is always important to support mm -hmm. the youth. 
But if you've got to have a snack, oh, you know my favorite place to go is Maple Land Farms, um, where you can grab and go. Um, I, this isn't quite nutrition, but their maple cotton candy is is famous and does come packaged as though it were a four-ounce bag of roving, which is kind of fun and make sure you eat your maple cotton candy and not your your Coriadale roving. <laughs> <laughs> and they have maple roasted nuts and granola, stuff you can stroll and eat as well as syrup and, and maple sugar candy. No reason you can't eat maple sugar candy. If you buy the six pack, you can have one piece every hour and you'll be fine. And you'll sustain your sugar high throughout the festival. Well, yeah, just keep an even, <laughs> even high. So recommendation number one is grab and go eating um, because there is so much to, to see. Um, if you've got the stamina for this one and, and the willpower, recommendation number two is to look things over before you buy anything. I have a lot of people arrive in my booth that's quite a ways from the gate who say, oh, this is just what I was looking for, but I have this bag full of stuff that I bought at the first few booths that I saw. So, and I mean, it's all great. It really doesn't matter, but they're, especially this year, the people are going to be spread way out and including some of the people from buildings, not anywhere near their usual building. So for what it's worth, I think we should spend some time getting to know where everything is. Um, from what I hear from talking to my customers, they're pretty going to be pretty well stocked. So they, I'm not sure by Sunday at 4 o'clock, if you come at noon on Sunday, you probably should buy whatever you can get your hands on. But if you start on Saturday morning, you have time enough to see what everyone's got and then circle back again to pick it up. Great tips. Thank you, Mary Jean. Yes. <laughs> All right. So hopefully um, you can get just a few shut eyes before uh, no sleep in wool. <laughs> got to bulk up. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, it's like we're in training for this. It is like training. It's like a marathon. We can't wait to see you. Oh, the same here. It's going to be great to see everyone in person. And if you all who are listening can just be sure to show plenty of patience and kindness, um, because this is not a professionally managed event. This is volunteers all just doing the best they can with ever-changing requirements and regulations. I think there's going to be mask requirements in the buildings, one-way traffic in the buildings. Um, who, who knows what all in another two weeks. So just kindness and patience and have a fabulous time. Next up is my conversation with Carol Foster of Foster Sheep Farm. I visited Foster Sheep Farm in Schuylerville, New York many times, and Carol's booth is one of my favorites at Rhinebeck. 
She has been dyeing with botanical dyes on yarn spun from her unique sheep. She also works at the mill, so she has intense knowledge of spinning and yarn properties. She was behind the wool linen blend Shushan that Battenkill made earlier this year. And her booth is also a great place to stop if you need any knitting supplies because she brings her yarn shop, the yarn shop at Foster Sheep Farm, to the festival. So if you need needles or other notions, all different kinds of supplies, her booth is a great place to visit. I hope you enjoy our chat. Welcome, Carol. Thank you so much for joining me this Sunday morning. We're going to talk about Foster Sheep Farm and the beautiful wares that you will have available at Rhinebeck. First of all, where can we find you? We're going to be, as it stands right now, Building 31, Booth 10. But we have been moved once already since they made their new plan. So I don't know if I'm permanent yet. Okay. And that goes along with something MJ said in our earlier interview, which is have a little patience. That's right. Be a little flexible. And don't assume because you saw something printed one way that it will be that way at the festival. There may have been adjustments. That's right. They will have an open space between each vendor. So if there's a line, there's a place for people to go. And uh, they're trying very hard to make this safe. Can we also find you online? I do have a website. Um, Mostly what's on the website is the commercial yarns that the yarn shop has. The foster farm yarns are coming off of there until after I'm done with the shows, which is the New England sheep and wool. That's the first weekend in November in Springfield, Mass. So after that, all that's left will go online. And I'm sure there'll be quite a bit left because I have a lot. So if we're not able to make any of these shows mid-November... Right. Check out fostersheepfarm.com. Right. So MJ, let it be known that you have not one, but two Rhinebeck sweaters. Do you want to tell us about them? I do. Uh, The first one is made out of Concordia. And um, the big part of the sweater is natural dyed. And then there's accent colors of my plant dyed yarns. The sweater is... Caribou Hills by Caitlin Hunter. And uh, it was a really fun knit. It's gorgeous. That that one is really done and blocked. Ends woven in. And you said Um, you will have some, if people stop by and admire yours, you'll have some kits for that at your booth. Yes, I will have some kits for that. I've never kitted a sweater before, but people at the last festival were having trouble putting the colors together. So I decided I would do that. How many colors are in that? Four plus the natural. Okay. And sweater number two is in the works. Sweater number two is in the works. It's from the cover of Pom Pom. Here it is so you can see it. Oh, with the cabling. With the so cabling. This is a- it's called S-A-K-N-E-S. And here is 
the start of it. Oh my. So yeah, it's it's just plain in the back. So you have this cabling in the front and uh, yeah, it may be sleeveless, but I'm going to have it ready. <laughs> okay. So it might be more like a cardigan vest. Right. A cardigan vest. Yeah. But it's gorgeous. And that you're this knitting is, this in which yarn? This is the new yarn, which is called Skylar, which is 75% Rami, 25% Wensleyville. It's a three-ply worsted weight yarn. It's a new yarn for me. I wanted something that would be good for cables, and three-ply is generally good for cables. And uh, I wanted to be able to do some marled yarns. So I have two different shades of natural marled, and then I'm doing plant dyeing on some of the others. So far, I've only done indigo, but it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. We were just admiring it. It's ticking a lot of boxes. So it's a three ply. So you get that roundness, which is great for cables. Right. It's a worsted weight, which, um, you know, you get that smoothness two ways, you know, the, the ply, the spinning and the, the fiber, and you get that delicious marling. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm sure MJ talked about the mill being behind and we didn't get this yarn ready as early as I would have liked. So, you know, the samples are not as complete as you'd like. The dyeing is not as complete as you'd like, but it, it's going to come together. Absolutely. And we, we're we knitters. We can use our imaginations, right? Right. Right. If you wanted it, you know, out of the box, you'd buy it at the store. Right. 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 So mm-hmm. what else is going to be at your booth? What else should we get excited about? I did 42 pounds of natural dyed roving, pin drafted roving. So I have seven colors. So that's fun. Um, that's never been to Rhinebeck. I did it last year, got some more I'm out. But all through that heat of the summer, I was dying locks and uh, and then we just got it pin drafted. So it's really pretty. I have two shades of Indigo, I have an, a green that was made with indigo and marigold. I have Cosmos, I have Dyer's Coreopsis. And I can't remember if there might be another one, but oh, Tansy. Mm-hmm. Tansy. So that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. These colors are coming together so well for me. Um, when that, and all the while I'm dying, I'm thinking about what I'll do next year. And so are you dying with fresh veg matter that you just harvest? For the most part, they're all fresh. Um, Marigolds were later this year than normal. So I dug into the frozen supply and everything else. I think I dyed fresh. Yeah. But all the while we're picking and freezing or drying because I'm hoping we're going to Maryland and I want to have some fresh dyed yarn for Maryland. And how big is your garden now? Same size, but more of it is being taken up with the plants. Oh, matter is the other one. The matter is two years old, so I was able to dig it and get really pretty color. I mean, it's I was not thinking red. that's what was behind you. Oh my goodness, this beautiful soft petal. Yeah, color. it's not the red that you would get. I think if it were a full mature root, but. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 
So next year we'll have some three-year-old plants that should should make a darker color. You mentioned some hat kits as well. Yeah, I did. I have uh, Andrea Mowry's Flicker and Flame hat that I just love knitting it. I used gradients in my natural colors. So the kits will have three colors of the plant dyed and then one natural. And I'm doing them in the matter and the cosmos and the indigo. So we'll have those three colors available. What about all that yarn behind you? This is all Concordia. Um, all plant dyed. So many nice colors. Well, I think so many nice colors. These are so many gold. nice colors and they work so well together. It is 50% of our Romney and then 50% of Falkland from the Falkland Islands. But these two are both Miracle. That's Cosmos. Tansy, such a pretty yellow. Oh, Tansy, such a pretty yellow. Yeah. Like a butter. And the indigo. The indigo is just a superstar this year. It got so nice and dark. You're getting such deep indigo color now. And yeah. I like what you do with the, um, are you still doing indigo afterglow? Yes, that's yeah, that's the light one. Okay, yeah. so that's like almost like this luminescent violet. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. get that as the as the indigo vat is like waning. Right. You keep extracting right. as much color as you can. Right. Yeah. And um, it's still. I mean, the plants are in full bloom. Um, going to seed and I was worried that I wouldn't get color but we dyed indigo yesterday and got good color so yeah that's exciting very that's exciting. these colors are deep but I know a lot of people worry about it coming off on your hands I haven't had that yet so fingers crossed I don't have I can't guarantee it but so with all my knitting I haven't had a bit of it so that's so it's very different with the fresh than with the crocking you get from right. the yeah. The powder. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time that I spun indigo, my hands were so blue, but I don't think you'll get this with mine. So that's just pure luck on my part. I'm taking it into the see the roving. Oh yeah. Can you see? Oh my goodness. So bags of roving in all of these gorgeous botanically dyed colors so how how will oh my goodness how will shoppers be able to purchase this will this be pre it's not going to be pre-bagged in four ounce bags okay yeah yeah so we know what you're going to be doing before October. Yeah. There's, a, there's a list of things we're going to be doing and not just me. It's Tom and Ellen too. We're all working on this to get it going together. There's Tom a quick is your partner and Ellen is your sister-in-law. Yeah. Hi Tom. Hello. Very well. Thank you. Good. And who will be at your booth? Will we get well, to it's going to be Mary Jane with all her wonderful soap. And Mary Jane soaps are always amazing. A, yes. A wise purchase, a great gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the new one that she had, but it's not coming to me. I've but been using some shape. of her 
pink clay since I purchased yeah. it at your shop in April. Yeah, I love that one. It's I so also, good. Yeah, she's having supply issues too, though. Some of her essential oils she can't get. So, but she has still a lot of things. She always has a great variety. Yes. Yeah. So um, do you have a tip, Carol, for people attending Rhinebeck? You are a longtime veteran of the festival. Do you have any recommendations? At, when I used to go, when I was, you know, a new spinner knitter, I would run through all the barns and see what there was and then go back and leisurely shop. But I think this year, um, take that map in hand because everyone has moved. Everybody is not where you're going to, I mean, MJ's lucky. She's outside and in a tent and that's good, but we're going to be spread all over. So take your time, look through. I don't think it's going to be that madhouse that we normally see. I think we're going to, it's going to be more enjoyable. So yeah, take your time, talk to the farmers, go and see the sheep. I love the sheep barn. Yeah, go and see the sheep. So we will be able to see lots of sheep and sheep breeds. Yes. Yep. Yep. They're going to do their regular sheep show. So that's great. That is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. There'll still be a fleece sale. So that'll be good. I'm not going to have any in the sale, but I'm going to have some in my booth. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Carol, for spending time with us this morning and best wishes to you as you make all the final preparations. Thanks. Are you going to be there? Yes. Good. Yes. Mary Beth and I will be there. Great. And we'll be making our shopping plan together. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. We're We're very excited. It will be. Yeah. All right. Best wishes to you and your family. Have a great two weeks. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.